You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, Sid Talk, you're going to have to get off The Sims 3. What? I'm, uh, what day is it? It's time to start a podcast. How many days have I been playing? I can... Oh, I'm leaving it running. Yeah, so if you hear diddly-loop, it means your character leveled I've, up or something. I've turned the sound off, but it is running behind the uh, outline. I've got another story about The Sims 3. Uh, Sid thought I was at work last night and I was at home, and she messaged me and said, could you turn The Sims 3 on so it can work while I'm not here? She's obsessed. <laughs> now, I don't give a crap what anybody says. Mm-hmm. That is hardcore gaming right there, because I'm, I'm thinking about it so much. I'm thinking, well, if he turns it on... And lets them just do their thing, because they've got free will. They'll build up some of these little life <laughs> points that you get. I know, it makes you sound like a... If it sound like a, a World of Warcraft person with the paladin and the sword with the 50 points. But if you let them live, they will build up happiness points. And then you can buy stuff like a steel bladder or a... I just bought um, Amazing Gardener or something. So, you know. you mental. It was very useful, because when I came in, they had loads of points. <laughs> I left it running all night for you and just ignored it. Anyway, it's uh, Sunday, June the 21st, 2009. This First is a- day of summer. This is after the show number 75. This week we're looking at the movie Defiance on Blu-ray disc. It's a 2008 movie and it's from our friends at Paramount and we looked at the Blu-ray version and you're going to tell us what the movie's about now. It is the telling of a true story. It's based on the true story of a family of brothers who's during World War II, or 40, 1941, World War II, in Belarusia, I think that's how you say it, a Belarusia, in that area of the world, uh, whose families killed... Is it near Lithuania? Near Lithuania, yes. Very much so. Yes, in that area. Yes. We're not up on our geography, but we're good with movies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> their family is killed, they're Jewish, uh, their farmers live near the woods and whatnot. They decide to escape to the woods, these four brothers, varying in age, I must say, Daniel Craig being the oldest brother who appears to be maybe in his... Must be in his 30s, 40s, even though I'm pretty sure he's older than that. I don't know. But um, And then the youngest looked like he was about 9 or 10. So they flee to the forest, just sort of in shock to, you know, kind of pull themselves together. And little do they know it, other people from surrounding cities and areas are sort of trickling into the forest, escaping the um, Nazis who are starting to round up and or kill Jewish folks in the city, cities. And then they sort of take on the role of there's this dynamic. Now, I think the movie puts on the melodrama of what is true defiance. You either pick up a gun and fight to defend yourself or you move on with your life and you live your life in defiance of the oppression that's happening around you. So... That's only applied later, you know, now when someone takes a screenplay and writes it and everything. So these they, the two older brothers sort of dichotomize that. And one is a fighter, one wants to build a community and just stay alive and then kind of hope, I guess, that it all blows over and then eventually they'll all come out of the forest. And inside the story, of course, hundreds more people show up and they build like an actual little community and still the brothers are separate. There's... You know, one goes off with the fighting faction, one stays behind to kind of, it's kind of cultish. 
I think the reality of it was probably more hardcore than what we see in the movie. You know, a little more dark. Because obviously the reality of it would have been pretty grim. A couple thousand people living in the woods and in wartime. Couldn't have been pretty, right? And it's a story that surviving. So you're saying it's like Lord of the Rings, but with Jewish people in the jungle. No, this was a true story that deserves respect, so I wouldn't joke about it. I'm just joking. So I don't think that's funny. But, no, not at all. I think it is just what it is. I was just saying, you know. So in that, I'm finished. I'm going to ignore what you said. And I'm going to say, in that is the story of the brothers and survival. And it's a different take on World War II that you never know about. And Uh, it's based on a true story. Well, I was just about to say is, um, when it started... You know, we saw a World War Two movie a couple of weeks ago when we watched uh, Valkyrie. Correct. And that was quite a different story. It's a story that hadn't been explored for me anyway, you know? Correct. And when this one started, I, I was kind of like... Because the way it starts, I wasn't particularly sure what journey it was, we was going to go on. And at first I thought, okay, this is just going to be a straight-up World War Two movie. That, you know, just a, mm-hmm. a story of Jewish people being executed, blah, blah, blah. Like a Schindler's List, maybe. But then, once they... When you say blah, 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 we all know you're not... The I don't mean blah, blah. I mean, I we've, seen, we've <laughs> seen, you know, there's so yeah. many World War II movies. But I felt this one went in a, a different enough tangent to make it interesting. Um, because, you know, they're pretty depressing World War II movies. Every time they open, you know, in the opening of a, movie, of a World War II movie when it says things mm-hmm. like these people were being led to the death or whatever, it always really hits me. I, I always feel like... It depresses me immediately. <laughs> and I think it should. Yeah, of course it should, yeah. And you should never forget it. Um, but I liked this story of defiance, I guess. People who made their own thing out of a terrible circumstance. Which I think people just do. And yet this was it's an extraordinary situation. Instinct. But this one was a, you know... And they make a big deal about it being these brothers who were the ones who made it. I don't 100% believe it was just... I mean, you know when they say, oh, the three people completely... I mean, that has to be a... It's not... I don't disagree, because I think in in reality, if you're left in a situation of that kind of, like, all of your normal reality's gone, right, and you're left with a group of people, somebody will take charge. Oh, yeah, And then they're going to be the people who... Just rest on the fact that someone else is in charge and they're going to make all the rules and they're going to do everything and I'll just go along with it so I'm protected and safe and everything goes fine. Then there are the people who want to break away from that because they don't like the way it's running. I mean, even in a small group of people. So I I think it's entirely... I mean, obviously, the granddaughter of one of the real men did, has looks like she's put together a documentary, which I'd like to see. Oh, to explain together. more about... Yeah, well, she says she's been doing it for 10 years, so... Um, that explains maybe a little bit more specific stories and stuff. But I totally think, even with a couple thousand people, you have a person who's a figurehead who is like the person of strength. And in that situation, you you, you raise them up, don't you? Like, you look to them for your guidance and everything. So Now, um, another thing about this movie was it was more action-packed than I expected it to be. It's actually quite a lot of uh, gun stuff. You know, like... Yeah. Uh, there's like ambushes and weird little missions where they go off to get some medicine stuff and tank. Yeah, a big battle at the end with a all kinds of explosions. airplanes. Yeah, drop and yeah. drum, drop and drum. It's, I, I expected it to be a lot less because you know the situation. I felt would have been, 
you know, you're locked in the woods, hiding from Germans. I expected it to be very small pockets of Germans occasionally come and disrupt them, but, I mean, it was a bigger scale than that. And, I, and you know, what always makes these kind of things interesting is this was based on a... I'm not. Ba- in fact, they go to great lengths to say this isn't based on a true story. This is kind of the true story. Well, it's Hollywood, dude. I don't take anything. I think the people existed in small bits of the story. And the well, there's a lot of that. information about these people because they've got right. children who are Americans who and some of them are still alive. Yeah, exactly. Some so, of the actual people. Yeah, some of the actual people. So I believe this more than some things, you know. True. Cause, and and it looked to me from some of the extras that they really got all these people together to make sure they had a... I'm not sure about... I believe uh, that the director wanted to tribute these people with this movie. Tribute how brave these three... It's really four men. The younger brother, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he counts And the woman, women. I don't know that an aristocratic woman walking through the woods with a bag of food encountering a wolf and... That must have been a story that was told, I imagine. I'm not sure. It, sound, it seemed very Hollywoody to me. But did it? see, I, I did. I thought that didn't. I thought that just felt like something that would happen, like because you're in the middle of the woods, mm. right? So there's going to be wild animals and all kinds of crap. I think the outcome is what I'm talking about. The sort of perfect little outcome, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you cannot ever, ever, ever assume that a based-on-true story movie is... I understand that, but what I'm saying is I, th- I feel that this had more credibility than most because of what I saw, which we'll mention in the extras. There's, I think on character level, I definitely believe in the different characters that were there and I that feel that brought this, out. this director was respectful to the um, real people, like, you know, who, mm-hmm. all, ex- who all exist. Like, I mean, not the brothers, but the... All some the of the... There. Yeah, some of... It was mainly ladies, wasn't it, on there? No, it was every, no, on those loads of men. You mean on the ones that are alive? Yeah, yeah, but the remote in the movie there were loads of I'm men. I'm saying that's kind of odd because when we it shows you some photos, women live longer than men. Yeah, I guess they do. So, um, but yeah, so and I was saying they're probably in the 90s, and and that was a weird thing that always thinks to me. You know, World War Two happened in the 40s, and like in 20 years' time we're going to have nobody left from that era. That's weird to me. Like, that's it. I mean, because obviously we've got no got no World War One people right. left. It's like a whole thing gone, isn't it? Into memory, like... I mean, there's enough documentation about World War Two, and enough people have been interviewed who are alive now, but it's weird. It's but really it makes weird. you want to hear from them directly, because, as we all know, even unless Once you're gone, watching gone, them on the, or listening to them on an audio tape of them speaking... If you hear it from their son of a son of a grandson who tells you the tale of their grandfather in World War II who faced down a German in a back alley, you don't really know the details. Only that guy and that guy knew. So you know what I mean? So here's my thing, right? If you have a granddad or grandma or or know of, like, go and interview them with yeah. a microphone. Just stick a mic or video them. Go and... Now, like, because... Right now. <laughs> I don't mean now. I mean now because, like, in... Five, ten years' time, you... Because these men... Everybody's got a unique story to America, Never really told their story. And then the guy who wrote the screenplay said... Somebody walked in his office with an obituary and said... This guy was in World War II. Helped save a bunch of people living in the woods 
uh, Jewish people. And he was like, what? And then going to the family, they never, like, obviously people around that family will have always known this story. And they probably have a bit of celebrity amongst themselves. You know what I mean? But it was, it was not the kind of story where they came over here and wrote books about it and sold their story rights, like, It's definitely years a story ago. you'll have never heard. I don't even think... Like, there was a guy there who was actually a... What was that guy who said he didn't even know? Oh, a, um, a composer guy who was Jewish and had studied the war yeah. and stuff, and he'd never heard of this story. Right. So I, I don't think... Most people are going to go into this not knowing anything about it. But it's funny, because I knew nothing also about the assassination of Hitler, what Valkyrie yeah, told. So we're so sheltered. I didn't know about the Frost-Nixon thing either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I knew about the Frost-Nixon I thing, didn't. but I didn't know the details. I mean, I knew it happened. I didn't. I thought you did. Yeah. I knew... I knew there was a, a you know, a, a controversial interview. I was probably watching the Brady Bunch. Yeah, I was probably watching Banana honest. Splits. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this movie, uh, I really like the story of that. And I like the fact that it's not dealing with English people or German or Americans, in Germany. Or, yeah. You know, I like a, a different... Because, you know, you don't realise, but World War Two was was really a world war. It was... He was trying to take over everything. Yeah, I mean, it, it really pushed far, like, um, but, you know, they got screwed in the end. But, I mean, it, it wasn't... I always think of it because I went to school in England. You know, we're taught, and you're taught something different than us. We're taught World War Two, the Blitz, London got bombed. That's pretty much the scope of it when you're taught. And, and uh, the Holocaust. And yeah, so, you know, yeah. Um, and for us, it's Pearl Harbor and the Holocaust. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, I, I so for me, as an English kid, I'm always surprised when it when I hear stories about Russia and it makes you feel kind of like an idiot, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like <laughs> because like I'm what? just talking about this thing in Iran right now that's going on, like an actual current near revolutionary kind of thing happening, and I just think you know I've just been so unplugged from history. You know what you, te- you learned in school. And it's just like a Hollywood movie. It's filtered and picked apart, and you get the little bits and pieces that somebody decides is appropriate for you to learn, and that's it. Oh, totally. And this movie, more than me liking the movie, because I felt it had a lot of flaws. I thought it had tons of flaws. The story itself, that I was completely... Because I I decided early on, okay, this is a melodrama. Let's just put it that way. This is very overly dramatic, very plotted out. Um, movie storytelling kind of thing, right? Even though it's based on a true story and all that. Actually, uh, Oscar nominated. So I got over that, but I just it was hard not to be distracted by things that we've ta- discussed in the past. Things that we'll discuss what? right now, actually. Think okay. flaws, flaws in the movie for me. Um, one was it's quite it was a movie on a quite a big scale, but I didn't get the. I mean, they travelled, but I didn't feel that. I felt I like they were always in the same bit of woods. I agree completely. And I think that's not... I don't know if that's to do with the movie or it's just to do with if you film something in some woods, one part will look the same as another Yeah, part. and the, the couple of times when they do show them travelling as a group, it, that just becomes... Because um, they did travel. cliche like, revu- refugee-looking thing. You're not yeah. thinking about the... Oh, they they does, it doesn't even show you, really, because they all keep a certain... No matter what they say, they didn't look realistically worn down and sick and tired. They looked Hollywood worn down and sick and tired. I mean, she always looked perfect. She had a little smudge on her face now and then. 
So you never got the thing like, oh my god, they must have walked for three days. No. And, and none of that. Even going through a swamp did not miss they, that um, much. They played with the showing you the four seasons mm-hmm. more than once to show that it was a bunch of time, like two yeah. years or whatever. Um, but I never got the feel of... Scope. Well, we saw it was only a few months, and then they stayed there for two more years. Yeah, but I never got the feel of... Uh, distance. Yeah, and it was a distance, because they were... They were just basically whenever they got scared out of where they by Germans, they moved on. Yeah, possibly, and you just have to fill in the blank. Possibly think, hundreds of miles. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Far enough away and deeper into the woods, away from roads. For so the I didn't get that because of the way it was. Um, you know, the small, basically camp areas because it like went from one camp area to another yeah. camp area, which was how it was. But still, I didn't get the feeling of a journey. Second. I think the acting was a bit suspect by some people. Um, no, it wasn't really the acting. It, 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 in fact, it did something better than Valkyrie, which I complained about because everybody just didn't try. They just did an American accent or whatever. Right. Now, in this movie, there were passages which I thought were really good. In fact, there was a passage with Liv Schreiber and Daniel Craig talking to each other in full Russian for about two minutes with subtitles. And I was like, that's amazing because I bought them both as Russians, right? With subtitles. But as soon as... That doesn't last the entire time. In fact, that's very that's yep. a very small part. Normally, they just put on fake Russian... Do a fake Russian accent. Uh, what do you mean, darling? Yeah, fake they, Russian they do accent. that. They yeah. basically do that. Yeah. But... Liv Schreiber. What's his name? Schreiber? Yeah. Liv Schreiber? Leave is actually how Liev you pronounce it. Schreiber, who I really, really like, uh, does a much better job than Daniel Craig. Occasionally, Daniel Craig is, even when he blurts out some stuff, what is he? Irish, Scottish, English, Cockney, what is he? English, I believe. <laughs> that totally comes out. Or and Irish. I think it's Irish, because there are a couple of times when he says... Daniel something. Craig and then sounds other, Irish. A couple of times, he was American. So I was like, what? Yeah, like, yeah. When he had to yell something or say something, couple- and I'm not... A couple Knock of times down. he was James Bond. Yes, don't <laughs> And that really distracts me. And I, I understand. I'd give total credit to learning some Russian. You and I might be impressed that they're speaking in Russian. I like that But if part. we were next to a person who's from Russia, they'd go, oh my God. You know, like, yeah, yeah. If I that almost, is my Russian accent is, that's probably how I bad they I almost turned around to you during the movie, and I, I don't speak during movies because it's against my... <laughs> but I almost turned around to you and said, I'm really impressed they're talking in Russian. <laughs> But, you know, for the last half hour before this scene, I wasn't impressed because they were... Who knows what they were? They were... Uh, but, you know, I give them credit. Lee at least does a much better job. But even at least Daniel Craig tried to do a Russian accent and he didn't do what Tom Cruise did in Valkyrie and just was American. Correct. Which, to me, is... That's just inexcusable. I mean, at least do an accent. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Um... But, you know, it's not the acting so much, because I think Daniel Craig pulled off some really good emotional moments. I agree with that, except, um, I mean, I've seen enough in my life, and I've experienced enough real men in real life who are from a different kind of, like, that, the culture of, um, sort of uber-masculine, rough and tumble you know, like, take charge men who, in the extras, we find these real men were that. They were hard, they were hardened and, and tough, you know, and all that. That didn't come across to me in Daniel Craig, more so in Schreiber, Schreiber, whatever. 
Schreiber. <laughs> I'm just going Wolverine's brother. Uh, and I haven't even seen it, but I, <laughs> from what I hear, that's what he is. Um, he does a better job of it, and yet still they're both Hollywood-affected Russian people. You know what I mean? It just didn't, uh, didn't like, come out. I wasn't 100% convinced. And I wasn't even trying to pick them apart. It just happened. There was people... Uh, put it this way. There was people who are unknowns in this movie. A lot of people who were unknowns who you've never seen before who were much better than oh, yeah. the stars of the movie. I the, think. For our, what's his name? For Mark Fernstein, Fierstein, who played the intellectual guy. Thought he was really good. And the professor guy. I, he both was American. excellent. I'd seen him before yeah, as well. Yeah, both excellent. I mean, they were... I was more compelled by them, really, a lot of the time. And then what else was... Um, what else bothered me about the movie? I think that might have been it, to be honest. A couple of things that the accents was a big deal for me. And then the the melo- the modern melodrama, right? That's what I'm going to tag this as. And I don't like to label things, but this kind of jumped out at me. Where you've got this cold, harsh environment and you're seeing that everything's all kind of peeled back and... and uh, the color's desaturated because it's freezing cold middle of winter. Cut. And that gives you... You're supposed to get the impression of how cold and hard it was, right? Because of the color palette and all that kind of stuff. Cut to them in this little shack where the light is golden. And the two of them are laying there naked, covered by a blanket. And it's all warm yeah, and glowing. It. it was like... You know what? It's just... At some point, it's almost like over-the-top movie handing to you on a plate movie making one at one that really irritated me because I'm like you know let's not try to be realistic outside with the rough and tumble cold and then show us this cozy little scene where they just are magically warm and you know just that really bugged me so I felt like it wasn't I just had to think of it more as a theatrical presentation and I that's that's what it was yeah it wasn't like a more gritty no it wasn't well, I was going to say it wasn't like Schindler's List, but even Schindler's List has a room, even though it, it deals style. with it, it has a visual style, Hollywoody gloss to it. I'm just thinking of something that's not like that, you know, like a Saving Private Ryan. Even that does, I think. Mm. You know, even True. though even though that first battle scene seems real, it still has a overall. I'm thinking of something real, like grittier that you think, "Wow, I bet it was really like that," but yeah. I can't think of anything. <laughs> it's like really difficult. Apocalypto. I think is one of those that, well, that I could all, that's also arguably. Yeah, because I have no idea what, what it would have been like 2,000 years ago or whatever it was. Yeah, but. It yeah. has its flaws. It has a bunch of flaws. But because of what it is, and it has enough goodness about it, and the story, I am, I was, this is one of those times when the people, even the characters, I understood that in the end, you know, some was good, some was going to be good, some was going to be bad, some people are going to die, some people are going to survive, obviously, because we know the story. I was more com- pushed forward minute by minute by minute, thinking in my mind what the reality of this must have been like, and trying to piece together, and then wanting to see how they survived, and how... It also teaches me a little bit about war, you know, the Germans discover that they're out there or whatever, then how did they... How they go about eradicating this little pocket of resistance, which they're not really resisting. They're just doing their own just thing. Just trying to keep away. And trying to get the mentality of that. In a war, why does a dictator or a leader want to squash everything? Squash is a theme, by the way, for the show. Squash everything that isn't in line. You know, so that that propelled me through the movie. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but... But, it, yeah, overall, for me, like, um, before we go into the cast, I... 
I, I did enjoy it quite a lot. Um, like you say, mainly because of the words, this is inspired by true events. <laughs> and I'm always behind something that's, you know, like you say, even though it might be presented to us not exactly how it went down. The idea of these brothers that did exist is real inspirational to me. I mean, the people... And the reality of what they did, like they said, there are, you know, 19,000, 20,000 people who exist on this planet today only because this thing happened. And the thing that's amazing to me about stories about World War II is it really wasn't long ago. And it's such a different world. I mean... Oh, you're right. You're right. Today's world is, it is nothing it like that world. Like I was just saying about Iran. Like, you don't have any clue what's going no, on there. No, you I, don't tap into the news. I don't watch the news. I happen to turn on CNN every once in a while, listen to the radio, and not even knowing. In a country that's very progressive and very forward and very, you know, modern country, Iran's just, you know, like any other... It's one of the highest um, internet-savvy countries in the world, technology, and yet, all of a sudden, they're faced with a news blackout and what's going on there and is is the government like trying to oppress the people and we don't know either and this is the day and age of all technology so where you can find out anything in two seconds flat yeah even CNN is using people's Twitter say, posts who are in Iran to use it as it's still a different world than then I mean it's a different world and it's not way. long ago and yet that can still happen where we don't know what's going on in that pocket of the world simply because we're not there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even so, with all the technology in the world. But World War Two, when you think about World War Two, it seems like so... To me, it seems that's like really, really past history, but it really is not, no. really. I mean... My grandpa was there, probably. You probably had relatives that were there. My granddad was in the war, yeah. He right. was on the ships and stuff. Really? Yeah. I mean, he's not alive anymore, but no, no, he no. was, you know? So I think everybody's got grandparents... Who were involved in World War Two of in my age who lived in Britain? I would imagine because oh, yeah. it, it was you know what do you call it draft where, where everybody right. had to go. Yep. Like. Um, so yeah, I just find that I find it. World War Two is a very interesting. I feel that we'll get we'll have movies about World War Two forever. Every year there'll be one or something. I mean, because I, I believe there's billions of stories. But why does it stand out more than say World War One? Um. I think because Pearl Harbor, Holocaust, Hitler. these are the most, what you try, to, you try to categorize it as, how can this happen in human history, Holocaust, not Pearl Harbor, that's more, not diminishing it, but I'm just saying that's the bombing of a place. And that's an out. attack which happens that's a whole, Yeah, that's a whole different kind of thing, but we just have to, we have to figure out why, how could this happen, how do we keep it from happening, all that kind of stuff. But then again, if you look back over all the human history... I mean, England rampages all around the world just slaughtering people so they can own them. And, like, I was going to say, we don't hear I was gonna say that's how it stuff. used to be, but that's also how it still is. Uh, you know, when you were just saying England rampaged around, you know, conquering, taking stuff over. I know everything's pretty much been conquered and belongs to whoever now, all the different people. But we, it's still the same shit. You know, we're, you know, America's over in Iraq bombing things you know it's and and different countries are bombing each other you know it still all happens today like you say so yeah. it's not uh, nothing's really changed does it it's just maybe because world war Two, right from 30s through the 40s was also happening right when the world 
was inventing television and when news became a commodity and when radio, radio had been around a while, but technology started like feeding the whole world so that, I don't know, it's an interesting thing. I'm sure someone's written a paper about I just it somewhere think in the world. World War, like I said, World War II movies are going to keep coming because... Like, I, I thought I'd seen everything World yeah. War Two had to offer, and then this story today was, like, something completely different. So, you know, and, and Valkyrie was a completely different thing for me, and, like, next year there'll be another story. And it can change a whole perception of that entire war. Just like the screenwriter said, he had been taught his entire life that, and he's Jewish, that Jewish people were the victims and the poor, suffering, um, passive, just, um, just resigned to the, to the fact. Right. Yeah. And that... If you think of his whole life, maybe that's been the idea put in on him with whatever teachings he had. And all of a sudden he's like, but here are some Jewish people who fought, fought, and actually had guns won. and fought and <laughs> survived through it. And yeah. so that can change. Like he passes that on then to his kids and grandkids and that changes the perception of a whole. That's why it's so insp- inspirational. So uh, let's move on to the cast of this one. We got Daniel. we covered a couple already. <laughs> Daniel Craig is... Tuvla, Tuvla, Tuvia, Tuvia, Belsky, one of the brothers. Tuvia um, Belsky. I like Daniel Craig as James Bond. I, was, I think I just discussed this before we went on air. I like Daniel Craig as James Bond, but then when I think of other movies Daniel Craig's been in, he's pretty much average for me. I, mean, I don't yes. jump for joy when I see him in something. So I think Daniel, I think him getting picked to be James Bond and taking that job. For him is really, you know, that will define him, won't it? I mean, are you saying he's like uh, Neo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's so much better than that. Oh my no, god! No, I don't mean he's bad. I mean he, he will always be remembered as James Bond. Nothing else. Right, but what, it sounds like you're saying he's slotted in there and just be James Bond because you're not good at anything else. No, that's not. I'm right. saying Keanu Reeves can only be Neo because he's not really good at anything else. Yeah. Daniel Craig is fine, but no, he's he's fine though. Is and what? you get moments. From yeah, him I of intensity, find... but it's all internal. There's not a lot of external like. He's just kind of like a tough guy who, you know, pretty tough guy. <laughs> so hard to James Bond, a pretty tough guy. That's what James Bond is. So, but you know, he's Daniel Craig, and there's nothing. A while I like him a lot, there's nothing what makes me go. I can't wait to see the next. Daniel I was Craig just thing. gonna say that I'm not. Interested. Like it's all like right. when you said this was Daniel Craig, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Is it the new Bond movie? Yeah, if it's a new Bond movie, I'm excited, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, but that's so. only it could be anybody for Bond. Yeah, and I'd be it, all just as long as it's a good James. I mean, just as long as it's James, James Bond. Bond. Yeah. Yeah. So and then we've got. We're Le- not dissing you, Craig. We're just saying. Yeah. I mean, Daniel. <laughs> you, you got two first names. Just, yeah, they liked him so much they named him with two first names. Right. So then we've got Leave Schreiber, Schreiber as. Um, Zeus, or Zeus, or Zeus, is the second brother. Um, I really liked him a lot better than really like. I actually liked him more. Yeah, I liked yeah. him already, and I have no explanation because we went over his list of stuff before. Not really much, and I can't pinpoint one thing that has made me like him. No, I just like him, and I think he puts his heart into everything, and he's sort of genuine. You know, like he doesn't seem Hollywoody to me, and I don't even know what that means exactly. But I've watched enough people. Interviews versus movies. I don't know what I'm trying... He flusters me, because I just find him really... He's also very Interesting. Hairy. And he's a little hairy, yeah. So that's why they picked him as Wolverine's brother or whatever. And- 
So, and then we've got Jamie Bell, who's a British-Irish actor, um, as the third brother of four. Um, he was good, too. And he was really good in this. And then I thought, I know this kid from somewhere. And then I looked him up, and he was from Jumper, and he was the annoying, cool yeah. character. He did the best Russian accent of them all, yeah, I must did. say. Consistently, convincingly, I could have been convinced that and he so was different a young to, Russian And actor. when you hear him talk, he's just a British Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's really... You know, he did a good job. Um, but yeah, he's the annoying guy from Jumper. But he's the good... And I just said... I was talking about Jumper earlier with um, Hayden Christensen. And I said he's the annoying guy from Jumper. And then I thought, everybody was annoying in that movie. What, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Even Samuel L. Jackson. Very... Oh, God. <laughs> it was not uh, one of my top movies. No. And then we've got Alexa Davalos as Lika Ticklin. Ticktin? Lika Ticktin. Who becomes Tuvia's wife. And she's like a beautiful... Uh, Jewish aristocratic woman who's uh, um, exiled to the forest and... And she was in the Chronicles of Riddick. That's where I'd seen her before. As the young... She's got very striking eyes. She does. Um, And I really liked her. I also liked the other girl who we've not wrote down who played the... Haya. Haya. Yeah, I really liked her too and I'm not sure who she is. Um, And then She seemed like she might have been Lithuanian or Russian. Yeah, I think so too. And if she wasn't, she did a good job. Yeah, because she looked like it. I mean, uh, her... Accent, everything was really... And then there's Mark Feuerstein as Isaac Meblin, which is the intellectual guy who I just put down because you... Yes, I think he was really good, and I... He's one of those I go back and forth on. I've seen him in things he's really irritating. I think he's got a new TV show coming out, and it looks kind of interesting, but I've always found him to be really... I'm always split, because this, he was excellent. I mean, really good. He wasn't... He was a little bit stereotypical... Jewish intellectual of the day where he and the professor want to discuss, you know, politics and whatnot. But then he actually stole the scenes away from Daniel Craig every time. Yeah, yeah. If he had to say something or do something, he was so in it. I just, I really liked him. And there's lots of other unknown actors. Really well, good. not unknown because they're all known in their own. The teacher guy was really There's going to be, a, there's a lot of people in this movie because this is a big <laughs> bunch of people. I thought of Ricky Gervais when I was saying it. When they were showing them all walking through the woods because extras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought, this is like an extras. extra's dream. Because so, you get, they focus on them a lot. The, the camera pans across the, the group a lot. So you see them do their thing. So you can say, oh, I was in a movie with, with uh, Daniel Craig. Look, there I am. Whereas in a lot of extras. When you mentioned Ricky Gervais, I thought you was about to say, I thought of Ricky Gervais when we saw this, where Ricky Gervais says to Kate Winslet, you've got to be yeah, in a Holocaust oh, no. and you'll get an award. <laughs> You've got to be in a Holocaust movie, you'll get an award. Yeah, said to her. And then she was in a Holocaust movie and got an award. And he was like, see, I told you. <laughs> so, um, the director, who is Edward Schwick, I think that's how you say it, was the director also of Blood Diamond, which I absolutely loved. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, and that's another Leonardo DiCaprio. I thought he was brilliant in it played like a... I like that one better than this one as a well-put-together movie overall. Oh, yeah. I Both stories were really compelling. Both interesting stories. Yeah. He also directed The Last Samurai, which we mentioned earlier. Ooh, Tom he Cruise. likes the epics, doesn't he? And he also directed Legends of the Fall, another epic. Oh, you know what? I've never watched that. Have you not? Nope. I did not fall in love with Brad Pitt when everybody else did. Neither did I, but I watched it. I fell in love with Brad Pitt, uh, Interview with the Vampire, and True Romance. I never fell in love with him. True ever. Romance, all he says is... Get some yes. cleaning products. Yes. Get some cleaning products. When he does this. Yes. <laughs> Thumbs up. And while you're out, get some cleaning products. <laughs> Full 
Floyd smoked the second letter of the uh, second page of the letter. <laughs> I never fell in love with Brad Pitt. I mean, I'm not talking. I mean, I, I never fell in love with him like that. I'm. I saying. never got in. Like, I don't know if there's any seven, maybe. I, I really liked him in Seven. I think that was my first movie that I ever saw him in. I really? Think. Because that was before True Romance, right? You didn't see uh, A River Runs Through It? I did, but after. Hmm. Like, I saw some of his... Like, I even didn't see Legends of the Fall until a lot after Let's it came Let's just say out. right now, as a, as a couple, as a two movie people, uh, we're not movie educated necessarily. We're movie people all our lives. We're going to stand behind the fact that we think Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are highly underrated for the work they've done and overrated for just people think on a superficial level. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio for me is one of one of the greatest actors going right now. Um, people over will the mock last us for this. Years, people will mock years. us for this. People will say, oh, you're full of shit. But you know what? I don't care. I'm not saying Titanic was great. No. That's not what we're saying. But Look at the whole body it. of work, the variety, the quality of certain individual moments for both of them in several movies. They way outrank Tom Hanks, Mel Gibson, for me, way, way, way. Either outrank... Yeah, I, I actually... I think Tom Hanks is actually pretty good, but... I didn't mean Tom Hanks. Oh. What I mean? I don't know. I didn't mean Tom Hanks. Because I was going to say... No, I was no, thinking, no. Tom Hanks is, I Tom Hanks is... I was thinking Tom Hanks is no, no, pretty no. badass, like... Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, yeah. You said him, but you also said Tom Hanks. I didn't mean to... Oh, was that a slip of the tongue? Because I think Tom Hanks is awesome. Yeah, because, like, Castaway. <laughs> Come on. You know? I was wrong. I did not mean Tom Hanks. What am I talking about? Mel Gibson. Catch what? Me If You Can. Tom Hanks and... Uh, Correct. And um, Leonardo together. Uh, anyway, we digress. Again. Yes. Uh, so he also did Legends of the Fall. I actually like this director for one reason. I mean, I don't know who he is. I saw some some of his in the extras, but he was directing a scene, and the vein was stuck out in his neck, right, on this particular scene we just watched him directing. Yeah. I could see he was completely the enthusiasm in him, and he was projecting it to people. I I, I dig that. Because I've seen so many directors who just look like they sat in the chair going, you know, yep. just with the leaning let back, just happen. letting it happen. Yeah, I see that a lot when I see extras. And then there's the certain ones, like David Fincher, where you know for a fact that they inspire everybody. Or that guy from uh, the one we just watched a couple weeks ago. You mean the Calvary. action with Liam Neeson. That oh, director guy it. was... He even grabs the camera and does it himself, and he's yeah. totally... See, I like the yeah. hands-on kind of... Uh, and More this else. guy, I could tell, was absolutely, like... People look to him for... Well, the, you know... He's he, the one that rises up and he stole is the, show, the leader. You know, keeps them everything. all going. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know him really well. I feel that he had a real respect for material. And when I look back at other movies he's done, I also feel that he always has. Um... And, you know, from the little I know about him, I admired him. Uh, so, and the film's actually well shot. Yes. But that's not Pretty necessary. functional. Yeah. But yeah. it is just, a t- it's just telling a story. That's yeah. all we really need. But, I mean, it's actually pretty well put together. There's no, like... I don't the, like the thing where I was talking about where you, it's just handed to you I, on I a plate. I know what you mean, yeah, yeah the, those... Plot, but yeah, but that could also be attributed to screenwriter or 
Well, once you've given me his list of movies, I think melodrama or dra- overly dramatic is probably just in his in his. Blood Diamond in his was less of that. Blood Diamond was awesome. Yeah, seriously, really, really good. And Blood Diamond, uh, again, DiCaprio. Like, well, yeah, well, again, like this movie brought to my attention something I was absolutely well. Blood Diamond was another thing where I was like, really, this stuff, you know, this area of the world has this deal. Going down, you know this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil the movie, but this yeah. situation, and it's a like a oppressive, yeah, yeah. So I feel that it must like that kind of a subject. Um, so yeah, D- uh, Blu-ray extras for this. Uh, there's not very many um, extras. I didn't feel like. Oh, we forgot about the whistling guy. There's a guy who's Russian. He's in the. Um, I just didn't know who he was. And. Uh, he didn't even do much, barely speaks, and yet I was, I wanted to see, he was a bad guy, obviously, because he was a jerk, but he was, like, really in it, too. Like, a young, I think he probably was Russian or Lithuanian, and he whistles. He is. But he's got, like, that psychotic look about him, like, being in a war and battles, top of his list of fun things to do, and that makes him compelling and creepy all at the same time. So, if you see the whistler guy... That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so um, we looked at the Blu-ray uh, version of Defiance. It's got boring, um, boring uh, disc art. I looked at it and I listened to it. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, what do you think of that cover? Um, good. That's all right. I don't, doesn't I don't, really tell I don't you. Find it that no, interesting. I would rather see. I like the back better. That picture. should be the front. Oh no, that's totally no, I boring. Really like that. No, it needs to be a. A shot from a distance of a large group of refugees going through the woods because that's what it's about. All the words defiance on a just on a cover. That's it. Um, So Sims Three is calling me for a second. So there's not that many extras, but I I felt like what they were is kind of enough. Like I've learned, I've learned quite a bit about. You know, I I like to see the extras as just a small supplement to the movie. But then again, there's something like Benjamin Button that's like four hours worth. Where something like that, I feel... But this one, I felt there was just enough to tell me some of the true stories behind this. Short of putting the documentary that seems like a possibility on there, I think we learned... So you get the commentary by the director. And then you get Defiance, Return to the Forest. Now this is like a 35-minute... Quite a good... um, You know, it is one of those put-together things. With the director talking, Daniel Craig on set, Liv Schreiber on set. But, I felt, you know, that was the one that I said showed me that the director was kind of inspiring to the people yes. to the people who was working under him. Um, so, yeah, if you like those kind of things, it's kind of glossy a little bit, but it's it's good. Then there's, like, Children of the Otriad, the family speak in HD, which is actually really interesting. Actually. Really good. So it's like the real... The children of the act, the grown children now, modern day of the peop- the men who were the, which is the dudes. In, very inter- after you've just watched the movie and then you're like, okay, these like these are the children of yeah, the real. Yeah, they're living this life. Not just the fact that they've probably sold this for a certain amount of money. Fair enough. If you want to be cynical and think that's all it's about, well, you're wrong. But <laughs> yeah, fine. But it's in in their life. This is something that's coming now to the whole world that people didn't know about. So their whole. And their experience of their family, and probably these experiences that the men went through in World War II, affected what kind of fathers they were and what kind of men they were at home. They couldn't have been, they probably weren't, you know, happy-go-lucky, easy-to-get-along-with kind of dudes. And so I just think it's, uh, 
I like seeing them, like hearing them talk and seeing them go to the actual place where it happened, where they'd never been able to go before, and that kind of stuff. I think it. I like that extra for that reason. I like on the back here where it says like Daniel Craig in brackets James Bond, oh my and then God. a bit later on it says like Liv Schreiber in brackets X Men Wolverine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really funny. But anyway, um. So the next thing is scoring defiance, which shows you is the typical. Here's how we scored, and it's who's the guy who scored it? Josh. Newton Howard. All right. And then they're in Abbey Abbey Road Studios where the Beatles recorded. And they have like one of the young, like a young famous violinist. Yeah, and it's the typical. Here's how we scored, and here's a room with violinists here's in the it. Emotions and here's the emotions and why we. Yeah, and it's fine. I mean, I don't want to just diminish it because some people think. The music is half of the movie, and it did play and a big part. Had some nice music. But it was kind of invisible, which I guess I thought it was, was important. You know, compared to like what was that the other week where I said the score was amazing in this movie? You like Revolutionary week. Road, yeah? Yeah, where the score actually was a character in the movie. In this, I it was underneath. I didn't notice it the majority of the time. So yeah, you're right. The score wasn't. But maybe that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. So then uh, finally, there is the. Partisan survivors um, photographs. Now, this is photographs of the real people in 2008. Some of the surviving and the director took the the photographs, and they're real high quality photographs. And it's just a couple of minutes with some music. But yeah, it's the real. You look at it and you think these are people who lived in the woods for two years. No matter what we see in the movie, it couldn't have been. No, it was. It didn't look easy, but it was pretty much like. Uh, movie telling of it. You know, yeah, they show him starving a little bit and they don't show, though, the dark side of what it must be like with a bunch of humans and crammed in the woods in times of war. There had to be more sexual stuff going on. We there had no in- illusion There was a little interest. Yeah, there was, it was touched on a little bit. And it, and it was quite disturbing, that one particular instance. I was like, oh. But then it never really kind of got dealt with again, did it? The mention of forest wives. Yeah, yeah. And then there's one scene where... For a forest wife to meet this man, I'm going to screw you whenever I want, and I'm claiming you as my forest wife. He, but he, it wasn't presented that way. No, but when he went up to that girl and said, do you know about this? We have, we, we're going to be doing this, and he grabbed hold of her. I was, I was like, well, this is an interesting... Mm-hmm. And then it never went anywhere. At all. That's why it planted in my mind, like, it had to be an ugly situation. Ugly, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then... This is a disturbing trend on uh, DVDs for me. They always put... So there's all the extras listed. And then they always put, and more. <laughs> so when you look at this in the store, you think, oh, more than that, because that's pretty cool. Well, the and more in this situation is two theatrical trailers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, why don't you just put it? Because, like, you're just teasing me. I'm like... Because we are... Yeah, but I'm, like, in the store, right? Get this. I'm in, I'm in Walmart. I've got this. And I'm looking, and I'm going, I'm into this movie. Oh, it's got the commentary by that director. It's got this. Oh, and that girl's making a documentary on this. And it says, it could be that documentary. Or it might just be a crappy trailer. I'm going to have to buy it. You don't (laughs) even think about a trailer. (laughs) No. No, you just... So, I don't know. I think they're trying to trick me. Yeah. So You think? Yeah, so that's... um, Oh, sorry. That's Defiance. Uh, (laughs) Can you remove that from the screen? Um, I have to just buy one thing and then send her back. I have to buy a recipe, and then she'll go on about her business. Okay, I had to go to the bookstore there with my my. All right, meat. so that my- <laughs> we're not interested in that. That this is uh, <laughs> so that's Defiance. It's from Paramount. It's on Blu-ray and DVD. 
and it was released, which I didn't say at the beginning, on Tuesday the 2nd of June, so you can go and get it now. I actually think it's uh, worth a definite it's worth bigger, It's bigger than a movie, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, the idea yeah. is what is actually the star of the show, really. The idea. Yeah. More yeah. than the movie. Well, the reality, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you do get educated a little bit into the reality of it with the extras, so I do feel those extras work, you know? I agree. So um, I would... Depending on how much it is, I would, I would, I don't know if it's a keeper, but I think it's one to watch. I agree. So maybe a rental. So uh, thank you to Paramount for that. Uh, movie recommendations this week. I thought I'd go with a Daniel Craig movie and a Liv Schreiber movie. And my Daniel Craig movie was Layer Cake because I know it. <clears throat> I know it has a lot of other people in it too, but Daniel Craig kind of stood out for me in that, and it was kind of before he was mm-hmm. Mr. Big Shot. Um, what was the one with the hot air balloon? No. no well, that was really good, too. What was too. the one with hot air balloons? What I'm saying? That was called Never Ending Something or Unending Love or something like something that. Something that was good. <clears throat> and the guy from... Uh, Reese iFans. Yes. And that was really good, too. In fact, I would also recommend yep. that one. <laughs> Everlasting know. Love or Ever Something. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's got a hot air balloon. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. Um, so, yeah... Layer Cake or that one. Um, and a Liv Schreiber movie, and this isn't actually a Liv Schreiber movie, it's a Denzel Washington movie, but Liv Schreiber's in it. And that's The Hurricane, which is a story of a boxer, a guy mm-hmm. prison and a boxer. And I thought it was really, really good. I'd like to see it again, it's that good. When I was looking on the list, I was like, wow, I really enjoyed that movie. So The Hurricane. That was really good. And yours? Mine are, I wanted to go with the... Um the theme of obviously World War not just World War Two, but the idea that a government or a dictator taking over an entire country or a group of people or even on a smaller scale where a cult leader takes over a group of people and tries to squash out everything except what they want them to believe and think and do and try to run things with some other you know a singular ideology and of course the pianist popped into my mind because that is one little sparkle of life in amidst, you know, this man's struggle to survive through World War Two. Same, you know. The but pianist. that jumped. Pianist. Oh, that's the one with. Um... It starts with an A. His name. Yeah, that yeah. was actually a Roman Polanski movie, I believe. Yeah, it was, he was really good. And the other one is Apocalypto, because on the flip side, that's a story about um, a culture that basically was just squashed out completely because. You know, what are they called when... Not adventurers, but explorers came to this continent and found a culture and did wipe it out. And they never they never stood a chance, really. And that was however long ago, and it still goes on today. I think Apocalypto is a really good movie, and I bet a lot of people haven't seen it. It's really good. Yeah. It's actually... It's about Mayans. Yeah. Right? The Mayan civilization. And it's... It's a movie with very little dialogue. In fact, very little dialogue. But it's absolutely... It's got some gruesomeness. Yeah, but I, I was going to say it's absolutely super detailed. Like, um, you would swear they were in those places. You know, yep. the temple scenes and stuff. So you have a hard time sometimes that and... Film 10,000 God's, BC. Yeah, I know, they mush together and I have no. to separate them because... Mush them apart. 10,000 BC... <laughs> <laughs> 10,000 BC has moments that I really liked, and overall it was just really not 
good, not a well put together. We talk about it too much. We give it too much credit. We well, talk about people because every time we think of a bad movie, that one comes up. If you don't like a movie, that it's just as valid to recommend that people see it, not necessarily go buy it, but see it. Because then it gets in your mind and you can have an opinion and you can learn to compare. Like you've got Apocalypto in 10,000 BC based roughly on not the same story or anything, but sort of that time frame and the you just have to see them and decide for yourself. But by seeing movies that aren't well put together, and then when you do see movies that are, it's just like eating quality food or having a quality piece of equipment. You see the difference, you know? So, so uh, that's, 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 that's the recommendations this week. So uh, if you want to enter some contests, we have a couple of new ones up on the site, aschoolie.com. You can go and click on the links on the right. I think we've got um, the TV show Reba. Yes, you do. And I really laughed at that. I'm like, you have seen... The look on your face tells me you have no idea. That's a country music star? Country, you can go in a... Country western star has her own TV show? It's like the sixth season of that. she's like the wise mother who tells everybody what to do. I'm sure there's more... Some people out there like that one. Um, it is its moments, actually. There's Chun-Li movie uh, we're still giving away. And there is also another one. Do you know what that one was? No. I can see the top and the bottom. I'll leave that one as a surprise. So there's a third movie you can win also. Seaside for details. Right, okay. Next week's uh, review will be Friday the 13th, The Killer Cut on Blu-ray disc. And that's the 2009 version of Friday the 13th. Or the 2008 version. Really? The one that's Michael Bay produced, I believe. I'm skeptical. Well, you know, remakes of older movies are not necessarily... Hit and miss. Yeah. But... There has been some good remakes. So Zombie movie was good. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt and go in. I didn't hate Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. No, neither did I. It was that Jessica Biel one, wasn't it? I know that saying that you don't hate it isn't a rave review, but I expected to hate it and be like, oh my god, how well, dare they? But First off, I really like original Friday the 13th. The original one. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, I haven't seen this kind of a horror movie for quite a while, so maybe it'll get maybe I'll get behind it. Oh, it's Halloween again the other night. It's on A and E a lot, right? And uh, I just that's been remade. It's not great or anything. Even John Carpenter would say it's just a crap movie, and yet that when that music comes on, you're just like, oh my god, oh my god, I want to come out. Oh my god, oh my god, he's gonna come out and kill me no matter what. And I'm, you know, it's been 25 years since I watched that movie first time. I've seen it probably 50 times. And I, I like it. It's so bad. It's it's excellent. <laughs> I don't think it's bad. Oh, it is. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You have to watch it again then. <laughs> so next week, Friday the 13th, Killer Cut. The Killer Cut or Killer Cut or whatever they call it. It's like an extended cut. Anyway, on Blu-ray disc. Uh, so games and Ace Gully stuff. We've got this week, uh, Ghostbusters. Nothing. The okay, let's move on to my stuff. <laughs> Ghostbusters the game. Um, you saw Ghostbusters the game. Now... This is the 360 PS3 Ghostbusters game, which features the original cast. To Ghostb- it's essentially Ghostbusters 3. Okay. Because there won't be a Ghostbusters 3, probably, and this is near you're going to get. What did you think of it? I only watched it for like five minutes. You did? Yeah. I no, I didn't like it very much. Aw. Um, Our nephew liked it. Seems to like it. He hasn't finished it or anything. Or did, you know, did he have the same opinion as you? It's kind of like... You didn't, didn't have an opinion. Not, he seemed to enjoy didn't it. Play it. Yeah. Well, thing is, right, I was absolutely hyped for a Ghostbusters game. And it is pretty well done, like, you know, to 
have Bill Murray and the gang back, and there's a lot of dialogue. They obviously recorded a lot of dialogue, so they're talking all the time. Those are the most enjoyable parts. When you actually have to do something, I'm not so into it. Because you fire the pack and you grab the ghost, and you, and that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, it seemed pretty old school looking to me. Well, it looks amazing, actually, graphically. It's like a real nice looking game, really detailed. But what it amounts to is you fire your beam, you hook onto a ghost, and then you lure it into a trap. So that's what it amounts to the entire time. Now, there's also this sub-mechanic where you can bring up a EPG or a PKE or whatever their meter is that they see stuff with, and you can scan things, and you've got to collect all these scans. So that's really all there is to it, but the story's really cool, and the actual acting is good. But uh, I couldn't recommend you paying $60 unless oh, you're, like, a mega Ghostbusters fan. And then there's, like, a $120 version of it that comes with, like, a special edition that comes with the... Ghostbusters car model. So how could they have made it better? Made the gameplay a bit more interesting because I'm played up to about the fourth level now and it nothing has really changed. Are there puzzles or anything? Is it all just kept? There are no puzzles, nothing. It's just sooner or later they're going to tell you there's a ghost in this room. You might have to put on your goggles to figure out where it is in the room and then once you do, you lasso it and you pull it into the trap. Then you pick the trap up. But that's all, the, all there was to the movies though. It is, but... When you, <laughs> the movies and a game are a completely different thing. If you're gonna sit with the game and play it for ten hours, and there is only one thing you do, true, it can get the story is enough to k- keep you wanting to go through. But there's definitely no replay value, I don't think. Um, then the second game I've been playing this week is Guitar Hero Smash Hits, which I mentioned a little bit last week. Now here's a funny thing that happened with me playing this this week. So. What Guitar Hero Smash Hits is, is a compilation of all the best songs from all the Guitar Hero um, games. So it's from Guitar Hero 1, Guitar Hero 2, Guitar Hero 80s, Guitar Hero 3, Guitar Hero 4. Kind of all the best ones smushed together. There's about 60 songs. Anyway, in Guitar Hero 1 and Guitar Hero 2, do you remember right back when it first started? They didn't use the real artists. Yeah. They had cover versions now, I play Guitar Hero 1 and Guitar Hero 2 so much, those cover versions are burned into my mind, right? <laughs> and they're not songs I was fond of anyway, but I got to like them through these cover versions. Now, in Guitar Hero Smash Hits, one of the big selling points is, do you remember those songs in Guitar Hero 1 and 2 where we didn't have the licenses? Now we've got the real versions. Do you know what? I like the cover versions better because the, the real versions don't feel right now to me. Right. Like, I was listening to a Nirvana song... And the one done by the cover guy, it sounds more produced and better sounding. This one sounds really rough, like the real Nirvana one. So it kind of like... But that's better. But but I'm, I'm, while I'm playing this game, I'm getting this nostalgic thing from five years ago where I played Guitar Hero 1, or six years ago. But it feels was it that long ago? Are you serious? The first Guitar Hero was a long time ago, wasn't was, it? Was Guitar that in apartment? It was on the PS2. I thought it was when we lived here. No, on the PS2. Hmm. I have a PS2 guitar in there to prove it. That's the one uh-huh. that I used to play it on. So, that was a while ago. I mean, it was before these next generation consoles turned up. Right. So, it was a while ago. But I have this nostalgia thing, and then these... The cover versions are ingrained into my head, so these feel wrong. It's really weird. And these are the real things. It's so probably I, because you didn't listen to that music before. Like, no, I've I didn't. listened... I didn't. To I mean, I did. I listened to Nirvana. All my life. All those old classic rock and roll, particularly... 
So when I hear a cover version, I'm not into it. But if I hear the original, then it would be. Because I've listened to the It made one. me want to go and get the guitar or one disc and play it uh-huh. to see really how much different The it only was. other thing is, those are songs that were not available on the Xbox until now, right? Xbox. There's Xbox. some that have never been on the... Plus they've added full band play, which you could never do in the original guitar. Right. So now you can sing as well. So I actually really like it, but... Again, it's a rehash of what you've already got because I'm I'm probably thinking if you like Guitar Hero, you've got all the discs. You've probably bought them as they right. Came but you out. just said you can play with all the instruments, so all those songs you couldn't play with your friends. If you're into the, the drums, for instance, like it's probably a better value if you don't not the guitar's not your favorite thing because you've probably already played them all on guitar. So if you're into the drums big time, this is a brilliant disc because it's like all new because you've never played these songs right right on on drums. And it's $60, and I don't think it should be. It's a, it is a compilation yeah. at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, it's another Guitar Hero, and I don't think it's the last. Rent it, give it a try. Yeah, I don't think it's the last Guitar Hero we're going to see, because this Guitar Hero 5... How, do, how does Guitar Hero and Rock Band, how do they split the music up? There's got to be music on both. There is. A lot of music on both. Exactly the same songs. In fact, when Guitar Hero... Four uh, World Tour came out, the last one, the one with all the instruments. Where they, and then Rock Band Two came out. I played them both. I played one one week, and then when the one, then when the other one came out, I played that the next week. And there were so many songs that were on both discs. I was like, really? <laughs> like this is like crazy. This, you know, when there is only a limited amount of very popular music in yeah, the world. Yeah, because that's what they choose: the stuff that's on MTV right now, and then the really popular rock songs from the seventies. Top one hundred music from the last fifty years, or yeah. whatever. So that's good Tyro. Um the other thing we've been playing this week, and me and you played this, was we got the finally got the uh Wii Motion Plus for the Wii, which is it takes the Wii Mote and it makes it well how would you what would you say it? It's they call it one one movement. So now whatever you do with the Wii Mote happens on the screen. It's a I guess it's it like a motion sensor. Increases the fidelity of the control. Um, it's a gyroscope inside the Wemo. It's a little clip-on thing that clips on the bottom. Right. Anyway, it gives you better control. So we got uh, EA Sports Grand Slam Tennis, and we played it. Um, I'm going to play some more of it, actually. But I only what, played it once. What did you think? I liked it. My arm hurt the next day. I actually <laughs> had a sore shoulder. Me too. Oh, my God, yeah. Because you don't just do, like, Meh. You think you will, right? You think you're just. But you to get just, into it, don't you? And you can. I think if you wanted to, just flick your. I've wrist seen people and play do it, But you really like, especially like, and then I'm when you're like serving. I really throw my arm yeah, up so and whack I, and it, it. You know, and, and it you does know matter. What? That, that serving movement actually feels like you're really serving. I know. I think it depends on how you. You could just go. Fl- I know, fl- but when if you play it like we were playing it, where you do throw your arm up and bash it, and I don't know how people do it with a small living room. No, but you throw the ball up and you, and you don't even use a button to serve. You just throw your hand in the air as though you're throwing the ball up and then you swipe. And the Wemo actually has a speaker in it which makes the noise of the ball hit being yeah. hit. So there is a real... It is a, and it gives the, you a little bit of feedback. Yeah, like, and because of the motion plus thing, it it really picks up the movement. And it's kind of shaped like a tennis racket handle. The yeah, whole thing, and so. it has more of a weight to it now with the thing gun. And I think it's really a cool game. It's, in fact, I want to go play right now. I think it's actually harder... Than the older... Like, if you go and play Wii Sports Tennis, which came with the Wii... Oh, sure. Obviously, that doesn't have as... That, basically, all you're doing with that one is hitting it when it comes near you, and it goes back automatically. Well, this one, you can actually twist your wrist to switch it 
he out did to the corners. Yep. And, and at first I thought, I don't really have much control here. And then after about an hour of playing and experimenting with where my, you know, when the ball comes towards me, twisting my wrist, I realised I could send it where exactly where I wanted the ball to go. So that says something for these controls. And I can't wait to see other games use these controls. In fact, I got a new one this week, Tiger Woods uh, 2010, which we've not played yet. But I feel that it'll lend itself to golf maybe better than tennis. Because, I mean, a golf swing, if you can replicate... Golf, though, you do the exact same thing over and over and over. All yeah, that's going to matter is but the, it, the it also measures wrist. the twist. Whereas too. the tennis, you actually... You don't have to, but when the ball's coming at you and it's come, it looks like it's coming towards you your left, your you turn backhand. to do a backhand. Yeah. You don't have to, because you could just stand there and do this the whole time. Yeah, like, but it doesn't feel pong. right, does it? No, and like, so we're do. going all over the living room, and it's like I kept bumping into the couch, and my arm, like right down the middle of my right arm, was like, so I think I'm going to play, play with my left hand this time. It is, it is really um, a cool... It's and if you're going to play two people, you're going to need a big room because you don't want to whack each other. No, I'll play it less enthusiastically. Yeah, yeah. Like we saw Giant Bomb playing it like this. Yeah, and I like the uh, the tournament thing. You go from one to the next to the next. You can keep retrying. And what's really cool, want. it tracks the calories you burn. So yeah. you can actually implement it into like a workout thing and just, you know, maybe get a few more calories. Now, the thing is, right... If it's counting your calories and you're actually sitting on your ass and you're just barely moving yeah, your well, hand and it tells cheat. you you've burned five calories, that's probably not accurate. I'm pretty sure we were because by the end of probably it, more. I felt like, whoo, yeah. I need a drink and I'm going to sit down. So now, I could uh, say something about what kind of shape I'm in, but another, I really did it enthusiastically. Yeah, another thing on the subject of the Wii is um, I've also ordered, and it's on its way to us, EA Sports Active, which is kind of like a workout program where you use your Wii and some stuff that comes in the box. So we'll talk about that next week, because I feel it comes with like a resistance band and a thing that you put on your leg to put your Wiimote in, um, I mean your nunchuck. And then when you do the exercises, like the running on the spot, it measures your running and stuff, so it'll be interesting to... Uh, I'm not trying to taint the Wii at all, I know it's a family-oriented thing, but has anyone made a sexual preference? peripheral? I don't think so. It seems like it's screaming out for some pervy person somewhere to do that. You know, right. it's got the nunchuck over right. here with a button and then some sort of device that you can tell it when maybe, to do it. Maybe, you know, when that Wii Vitality sensor comes out, maybe <laughs> we can put your cock in it instead of your, oh instead of your finger. I don't think you're the first one to say that, but <laughs> I think it's a bit small. Well, then again, I don't watch much Howard Stern. <laughs> so how small you gotta go. No, I don't think there's any... Se- the, the only sexual gadget I can think of right now was... Do you remember the game Res? Which it, yeah, it's like a... Like yes, a, we're flying across. Uh, yeah. Well, Res came in Japan with something called the Trans Vibrator, which was like a pad, a circle, like this, about four inches across. The the vibrated in time to the music on the game, um, and that's all it did. So you're supposed to sit on it. There was never there was no instructions to go with it. It was just like this is it. <laughs> and you can re- the the game will vibrate now. You put this somewhere and it vibrated, right? Because you played the game with a controller, so that was to go somewhere else. It's not a stick. No, it's just a circle. like a hockey puck, but bigger. Yeah, yeah, like they could go anywhere, right? So now, when Xbox put Res on Xbox Live Arcade, there was obviously no vibrator, but the guy who makes the game is obviously into that concept. He made a special setting where you can take 
up to three more Xbox 360 controllers, and they'll vibrate in time to the music. So something's going on there. Yeah. (laughs) So and a 360 controller's actually got sticks. So think about that. True. And they vibrate, and there's three of them. That could be pretty, could be pretty intense. (laughs) Let's have a party. So yes, there has been sexual. I don't know if that was intended to be sexual, but there was something going on there. Yeah. I mean, it was called a trans vibrator. Well, it's vibrating. Yeah. Interesting, but, you know, I'm, I'm very expensive, the trans vibrator now. I'm very rare, and you have to go to eBay if you want one. But it's for the PS2. So, um, yeah, trans vibrator. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, and now games that will be coming out this week that I'll be talking about next week is, I'm very excited, Fight Night Round 4. If you remember the boxing called Fight Night Round 3, one of the very first 360 games. It looked incredible. It was like a real boxing match. Well, this is round four. Um, I played the demo of it the other day, and it looks even better. I mean, it's one of those games where like, you look at it and go, holy crap, is that real boxing? Because it has the commentary and Michael Buffer and all that, you know. So I'm excited about that. And Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. The movie comes out at the end of this week, and so does the game. I've not got high hopes for the game because the last Transformers game was bullshit. And I love Transformers and I will actually probably will probably go and see this movie. Go see? Yeah. You have to and, go see it? Well, that's the only way we're going to go and see it unless we wait till December, which I don't feel like waiting till December for Transformers Maybe I too. should splurge and just rent the whole theatre for you and I. No, we just go at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Monday. True. true About true. three weeks after the movies come out. True. You know, not the first two weeks. Um, so, and the, the last game I've been playing is America's Army 3, which is a free game. It's basically a rec- recruitment tool for the American Army, Armed Forces. But they made a game that you can go on Steam, if you, most people probably have Steam if they're into PC games. Go on Steam, click preload, and you'll get a free copy. It's actually a full-on first-person shooter with tons of maps, tons of training levels, better than most retail products, and it's completely free. Does it make you want to join the army? No, but you know what's really interesting? I did the uh, training, and it takes you through the real training the army do. You do an obstacle course, you do a shooting gallery type thing, You they train you on all the weapons, and it's not just like, here's the weapon, shoot at the targets. It, they tell you the ins and outs, of the, you know, a guy commentates. And then it was training you to be a medic, and you go in this room with this instructor, and he shows you an instructional video, it lasts about 30 minutes, shows you the video... He gives you the dummy to practice on, and then he gives the dummy certain things, like, oh, this dummy has been shot in the chest. And then you have a list of things you can do to it. And then he gives you an exam after the 30 minutes of him telling you what you should do. I remember that. You always had to pass those exams. Yeah, yeah. Now, this one's really detailed, though. And I passed the exam for for medical, 100%. Uh So So it was basically like, you do all these tests, and then at the end it's like, if you really went in the army... Maybe you would be cut out for a medical career, or maybe you would be really good at sharpshooting. Right. You know, so it's pretty good. It's very in depth, and you have to do all the training before you can even play the game. That's what I remember, yeah. Which I like because it's authentic, you know, uh, and it's absolutely free. So that's the last game uh, I've been playing this week. I've been playing a lot of games this week, but I'll talk more about the Wii games I've been playing next week. For me, is it my turn? Yep. Is this the dog's turn? What's for dinner? We're going to have a corn, that's Q-U-O-R-N. I think we talked about corn last week. Corn. Turkey, that's T-U-R-K apostrophe Y. Yeah. Roast. So it's not a real, it's a meat substitute turkey. That tastes just like meat. We don't know yet. We haven't tried the turkey roast. We're going to try it. 
the oven's on right now. And so when this is done, I'll be poking. And it's a weird looking thing. If you've ever had Braunschweiger. Have you ever had Braunschweiger? No. It's in like this. It, it's is like brains? Kind of, it's kind of like the food. It's very possible. It's the kind of food that you look at it in the store, in the package. Because it's squeezed in this big, giant kind of like sausage link. But of course, the wrapping is just plastic. Is it head cheese? And it's got the little anus-looking things on the end, you know, where the plastic comes together with a metal little clip on oh, it. Oh, like a little uh, sausage. Like a sausage, yeah. yeah. And uh, you'd squeeze in there and you think, oh, that this can't be food. But of course, I love Braunschweiger, or I have in the past. I haven't had it for a long time. It's not head cheese. It's like liver cheese. But this corn roast thing, you know, I'm thinking turkey roast. I've even bought the package, highly processed, real turkey and chicken roast. And you open it up, you're like, yeah, that could potentially be a real meat all shoved together. This doesn't resemble... It's just a yellow tube of... Sounds delightful. Well, we're I can't gonna... wait for my dad. <laughs> yellow tube. I took a picture of it, so I'm going to post it on my me- site. A yellow tube in a metal bit. ends. <laughs> mm. It says bake it in the, t- in the plastic and everything, so I'm At least it'll it. be a high sauce of And in addition iron. to that, we're going to have yucca. And uh, contrary to what it sounds like. That sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> you can cook it like a potato. So we're going to have that, like smashed yucca with a little bit of garlic. And we're going to have roasted butternut squash and Brussels sprouts. And hopefully some kind of sauce or gravy, something I can put together. I don't think that'll be coming from the corn roast, though. Pretty sure it has nothing. We'll no, just have it dry. No juices whatsoever. You can make some Bisto. I think we don't have any Bisto left. I think we do. I don't know. Actually. Um, so that's what's for dinner. Interesting things. I love trying interesting things. I see the yucca in the store all the time. I think... Well, what color is yucca? It's that brown thing that looks like a dried up old penis laying in the kitchen. And when I thought you open that it, was a dried up old penis. You, <laughs> I thought that was the roast. Like a mummified penis. <laughs> and when you get inside of it, it's just like, kind of like the texture of a potato, I'm supposing. But it's more fibrous and you have to boil it longer, so that's what I'm going to do. And if it's crap, then at least I've tried a yucca plant. You know what I'm saying? Excuse me. Or yucca thing. Next thing is, uh, you know, as earlier I said squash, as in like a dictator trying to squash out the, uh, you know, any kind of thoughts outside of their own. And, of course, we're having squash for dinner. I made a new drawing this week, which is based on the squash plant that I have in the garden, which I think is absolutely gorgeous, and I've never grown one before. So that is a new thing that I've been doing this week. In the garden, we're going to have produce. We're actually going to have food growing in our garden. Now, I've not been successful as a gardener. We've had some tomatoes some years that were good. I think we had two one year. But they were it's good. Nice of you I think they were the best tomatoes nice, we've ever had, though. It's nice of you to romanticize it. Oh, no, we've had... <laughs> yeah, we have. Um, we will have tomatoes. We'll have squash because there were blooms. And you there's might, you be grew some squash. garlic as well once. I don't think it ever grew to it's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And the garlic I have now seems to be more like onions than garlic. So it's a bit suspicious. But there's carrots. I pulled one out today. We're going to have that. It's this little... I couldn't resist. I had to look at one. And it's a little teeny tiny thing. So the other ones are obviously growing into little carrots, so... They, they grow under the ground. I, yes, I know, yeah. but this one I just was so tempted. I'm like, are they really growing? Are they... Are they? How big are they? I have no idea. I don't, don't garden. So I'm just winging it. And I thought, this lady behind us, she's got the garden, and she's super organized. Like, she's done the same garden every year for 50 years and I don't think that'd be... Like, now she's totally prepared. Like, she knows exactly how and where and what's going to happen. And she mulches the right things and she spaces them apart just right. I don't know any of that. And it's much more fun. Because I plant the stuff. I've got tomato plants that are four foot high. I've got one that's barely grown. 
and they're six feet apart with a couple of plants in between. And I'm like, why isn't, is it the, is it the breed? Is it the soil? Is it that crazy vine weed that I have growing all over my garden that I can't seem to kill? You know, what is it? I don't know the answer, but that makes it more interesting. Hmm. I've got three pepper plants next to each other, spaced correctly apart. One of them is about two inches high, has never grown at all, but it stays alive. The middle one is like the mo- the little one's like the baby pepper plant, baby bear. Middle's like mama bear, and then there's a papa bear. It's like I have no idea why they just grow at different rates, and it's more interesting. I go out there every morning and look at them and take loads of pictures. So um, what I'm saying is. If you've never thought of gardening, it can put it like my mom did when she looked at me and she we were outside. She just looked at me real weird. She's like, I cannot believe that you have a garden. <laughs> because I'm not that type, am I? But I love it. It's so, it's very Plus you get to eat tactile. It. Even if I didn't, I think that just the process has been really fascinating. Here I am old and my mother has always had, always had a garden. So it's not like it's, I was raised in the country. But I never cared about doing it before and I didn't realize the feeling like our grapevine is totally loaded. Millions of grapes. I watch them every day. I want them to be successful, so I've been spraying them with that stinky garlic stuff that I made, and you know. So they'll taste disgusting when you do <laughs> no, it. No, no. It washes <laughs> off every time the rain comes, but it does keep the bugs off, so so that's that. And uh, I was just going to mention, you know, if you have a farmer's market in your area, try it out. Because it's not easy growing stuff. And these people do it on a smaller scale than the big, huge companies. They work really hard, and they make the effort to come to a farmer's market. One, one year we farmed tomatoes at a farmer's market that tasted amazing. You went back yep. and got them, like, every week. Yeah, probably we this get one them again. Well, we're going to have... Seriously, I have seven tomato plants, and they're all different varieties. So do you one have heirloom? Like, yes. Oh, you do? Yeah. Are you finally going to... Two different types of heirloom. We'll finally try heirloom tomatoes. We'll see. It's supposed guess. to be the best ever. Oh, people are so brainwashed. Give me a break. <laughs> But they'll be natural and organic. I don't put any sprays on them except this garlic stuff I made. And, you know, if our tomatoes taste like garlic, I guess that's a good genetic improvement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's take this puppy home. Uh, so thank you for listening to the podcast. Yeah, because I can see my Sims 3 is right. Can I bring it up here now? Yeah. No. Uh, I just want to uh, mention the websites, ascully.com, sidtalk.com, twitter.com slash ascully, twitter.com slash sidtalk. Facebook.com slash Ascully, Facebook.com slash SidTalk. You can also get this podcast on the iTunes Music Store. No, no, no. Read it as it's listed. You can also get this on the iTunes Music Store. <laughs> no, I put the Zune first, because I like the Zune, and then RSS, and then iTunes is really oh, small, because really? I'm so sick well, of people I, I, I talking about the iPod. All right, so you can get this on the Zoom Marketplace. You can get the <laughs> RSS feed on our page. Just go to Ascully.com, click on the word podcast, and you can listen to them there. Or you can go to the iTunes Music Store, which most people will, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. Um, you can email feedback um, I won't give you uh, Sid Talk's email because she doesn't want to know. And if yours is ascoli at I don't think there's a big <laughs> leap there for people to figure out what Sid Talk's email is. And I want to say uh, stay classy, Daniel Craig, and let's see you in another... Interestingly enough, when I'm about to say that, he's just signed for the new... Um, third oh, good. Uh, James Bond movie and it's in production not in production but they're screenwriting it and stuff at the moment so right and I'm gonna say think for yourself think for yourself don't let some oppressive dictator twat tell you what to do <laughs>